extra special, extra wonderful, spectacular, bombastic even. It's like game review season, so we should start using words like that all the time. It's, it's bombastic. It's fans of the genre will enjoy it. Fans of the genre will enjoy this podcast. It's hard to Don't believe it's been a whole week since the last podcast. I know, right? <laughs> it's been a whole, whole darn week. It actually has been a whole darn week. It's been a very long week. <laughs> um, of course, I'm Eric Van Allen, one of your regular co-hosts alongside Kenneth Shepard, my fellow co-host. Ken, how you doing? I'm just fucking peachy. You got me mad before we started the show, so. I know, that was the idea. Yeah, I, get to, because... I get to come in angry. Because then I get to switch into show mode. I get to be show Eric, and I get to be like this loud, boisterous podcast voice. And you come in, and you're like, "I want to fucking kill Eric." <laughs> mm. <laughs> the person who got to experience all of this go down, Ty Gallows Row, you are on again. We brought you back. How you doing? Hello, it's me. This is what this is my fourth time. Yeah, oh, I think that's, yeah. I think, think you're tied right. now for most appearances wait really tied with natalie nat and josh i think (laughs) suck it nerds um yeah i mean today we get to really like beat up on a natalie so you know there's a natalie loses in today's episode to be fair there's also gonna be probably gonna be a couple of ty and ken fighting so (laughs) (laughs) um Today we are talking about uh, the one, the only, Leliana, Uh, and this is going to be kind of another one of those episodes where we're going to talk kind of holistically about the character, because much like, you know, Colin and uh, when we've talked about Morgan previously and stuff like that, these are characters that have kind of spanned the breadth of Dragon Age. I argue that few of them have had as much presence in a game as Leliana has, because... At this point, she was a full-on companion in Origins. She was... Uh, was she a companion in that side quest in Dragon Age 2? I can't remember if she's actually like part of your party. No, she's, she's, she's not. Her. She yeah. just has a cameo. Gotcha. Um, and then obviously she is an advisor in Dragon Age Inquisition. And so I guess to start this episode off, Ty, uh, why Liliana? What is it about Liliana that you like or don't like? Well, I like Liliana. I do like Liliana a lot. And I think, to me, Liliana is probably one of the few things I think Inquisition does really well. Um, But I'm very attached to her mostly just because, like, um, the first time I played Origins, I didn't really care about her. And, like... You know, when you get her intro and she's like, oh, like, I'm a little church girl who showed up with a knife. I was like, mm, no, thank you. Goodbye. I'm going to hang out with the titty witch. Um, but then um, I found out that you she was like the queer romance option. So I was like, oh, shit. OK, so I played it again and I like got to know her and like I did the whole like Marjolaine quest and like the Leliana song DLC. And I was like, oh, there's like a lot more to this character than I originally thought. And so, like, that just kind of took me by surprise, and I ended up liking it. And then, you know, seeing the Bard stuff and, like, how they kind of incorporate that in, like, the books. And then Mm -hmm. having it go over into Inquisition and, like, especially... I was trying to find the clip of the actual scene, but none of the walkthroughs that I found were, like, showing it. And so I maybe I'm misremembering it. But I'm pretty sure that during 
the um, Templar quest, the Champions of the Just or whatever, like when you're dealing with the Envy Demon, there's a point like where you see like the future. Mm-hmm. Wait, is that yeah. this or is that later? Uh, there's so in the yeah in the Mage quest you actually go to the future in the Templar quest you see like a visions of the future if the Templar like if the Envy Demon takes over kind of or if the Inquisitor mm. like exerted their power like the Envy Demon wants them to it's kind of I feel ambiguous mm, okay um, and Leliana is definitely there uh, all the advisors are there but I remember Leliana specifically like being I might be present. thinking of the Mage quest then because there's the one there's like a scene. I always thought it was the Templar one, but it might be the mage one, actually. But there's a scene with Liliana, like, where, like, she's being tortured, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, like, that scene, like, I just felt was very, like, poignant for her character, especially, like, as you then go on and, like, obviously that future does not come to pass. And, but Liliana can still be hardened in that way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if that's like very eloquent i wish i had found the scene but it's just i i just like her characterization i like the way that they took her from like this kind of arrogant like young adult like who's looking for attention and like to be special and then moving into someone who like actually has to deal with like the challenges around her faith and like who she is and who she wants to be and then to like bringing in the question of whether she becomes the divine or not i think is interesting given her relationship like with her faith and stuff and how that can kind of go various different ways yeah it's (laughs) it's um i found that the first time i played inquisition i thought that liliana was just kind of there to be a cameo and to be like a oh cool we brought in a character from origins who's helping you out that's real neat um obviously doing more this time and kind of doing the due diligence that uh, we do for the show, I've seen a lot more of what Liliana is, and also like the amount of lore that we've had to read up on and just kind of brief ourselves on. It it gives you a little bit of a respect for how much Liliana is a big part of Dragon Age as a whole and, and the storyline moving forward. But mm. um, Ken, you might be able to speak better to this, but... The, the thing that I think is going to be our main point of contention with this character, I think really comes to the forefront in Inquisition, is how malleable this character is mm. to the player's whims. Um, because in Dragon Age Origins, as we talked about before, you can kind of choose between... They, I really wish they had better words for this, because it sounds like a metapod that you're just evolving or not evolving, but... Um, you're either like hardening or softening Leliana to either be this cold, ruthless um, assassin type, or you're softening her to be like this caring, uh, good-hearted, kind-natured person. And mm. her character is one of always kind of being between those two extremes, and the player is the one that ends up being the thing that tips the balance either way she's like a gareth sort of situation a little bit but it feels more extreme than gareth if that makes sense like especially when we get into the the mission here and i'll toss it over you a sec ken but i just want to point out that like this 
we start out with in Origins, we can either have a hardened Leliana or a softened Leliana, but when we come into Inquisition, she is by default hardened, I believe. Mm. Yeah. Um, that is like her personality coming in. Um, so yeah, Ken, how did, how did you kind of feel about all these, the, the way that you can just kind of tip that scale? Well, I think it something that I kind of, I feel like I need to kind of vocalize like from the start where I feel about Liliana as a whole in Dragon Age before I get into how I feel about how she is in Inquisition. Because I think Liliana is very emblematic of Dragon, one of Dragon Age's like biggest core issues in that it, one, it it very much feels like Bioware just writes whatever it feels like, that, like treats the characters, or the, uh, tre- treats the players' choices and influence in the world as, a, as almost like a burden. And that comes from a lot of like lack of forward thinking with Origins, because as we've said many times, that game wasn't supposed to have a sequel, so when you try and make like make a continuation of things and you maybe regret past things you allow a player to do, they end up getting swept under the rug, and I feel like Liliana, by virtue of like she can die in Origins, but she will be here no matter what, and then they don't explain how that is possible until Trespasser, and then they kind of, like, you know, they, they try to hand-wave things throughout Inquisition in ways that feel just very much like that is, you know, one of my biggest issues with Dragon Age is that it feels like Bioware doesn't have a lot of respect for player input in a way that is ever reflected beyond, like, the moment. Um, hmm. And so... Like, when you're saying we come to her and she's, like, by, by, by default hardened, that is kind of explains, like, you know, the Divine just died in the explosion, and so she's kind of, like, reckoning with her faith in a way that, like, Cassandra is not. Like, the, the, the parallels between the two, I think, are interesting in the way they play out and the way that they can kind of culminate at the end, where Cassandra is very steadfast in what she believes, and if you are playing a non-faithful Inquisitor that is a, an immediate uh, bit of tension for you there, where if you go to Liliana, it's it's weird because, like, since she's an advisor, not a party member, they don't have approval. So, like, you don't really get a sense of the things that, like, that you're doing as a player and how they are, necess- like, it's not telegraphed to you in the same way that, like, you are saying something that's character that is going to push them in one way or another. Um, because I go up to Liliana when I'm first there, and, like, I... I'm a character that is very vocally against the Chantry and the Maker and, like, the insinuation that that is, like, where the universe comes from. And so, like, when she's saying, like, having all these doubts, I'm like, yeah, maybe the world is just fucked up and, like, you need to kind of reckon with it. There is nobody here making some grand plan. Um, Not realizing that that was going to end up in a certain way by the end of her her quest. Um... So I think in that respect, like, I don't care for, like, and it, it, it comes with the way that for some reason uh, your advisors don't have that same, like, telegraphed, malleable kind of uh, route that they can go, depending on whether they like you or not. Um, and not to say that Liliana likes me or dislikes me, depending on what happens here, but it's like she has, like, a certain view of the world uh, more reinforced and does things based on that, so... Yeah, just so it's it's kind of hard to talk about specifics within Inquisition because some of it does play into like the the companion quest that we're getting into, and obviously like 
Liliana's character kind of evolves differently than a normal character due to the advisor role that she plays. Um, I, I found that their stories, like, like you said, because they don't have approval stuff and they're not, you're not really playing that game with them. You're kind of just getting little tidbits. Um, I do actually have an update on uh, a rant I went on a couple episodes ago after the Winter Palace. <laughs> um, so, funny thing about the way romance works in Dragon Age Inquisition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I had somehow flagged that I wanted the Josephine romance, or maybe it got reflagged because of me dancing with her at the Winter Palace. But it wasn't progressing because I needed to talk to Leliana and then have the chat with Leliana, which then opened up the chat with Josie about like, oh, Leliana pulled me aside and gave me this, you know, all this stuff about us dating and all that. So now I am romancing Josephine. (laughs) So my Inquisitor will not die alone. But (laughs) um, what that reminded me of was that these characters have really interesting ways that they can kind of slot into the stories of each other because of the nature that they will always be there that you don't have to worry about approval that they're kind of always going to be part of the inquisition in some way no matter what um but to remark on i guess the hardening and kind of what we're getting to in the meat of this episode which is uh solidifying whether or not Liliana is going to be that cold, ruthless killer or that um, kind of compassionate person. Uh, There are a few decision points leading up to this episode that you have to like check off getting there. And I've pulled them up because I thought it was important to have up. Uh, Although now I'm suddenly unable to find the tab, (laughs) which is fantastic. And I'm going to rant for time momentarily. Um, So... And, and Ken and, and Ty, maybe this is something we should talk about before we get into the actual mission itself, but up to this point, you have to make very specific decisions if you want Leliana to be more compassionate and to not be that hardened version of herself. So you need to um, console her in Haven and then also recommend that she not kill an agent um, while in Haven. You have to specifically do that in Haven. Uh, something i might have found out (laughs) and um you can also we talked earlier in in the season about how you have to talk to her about her agents that she had that were out in the field when corypheus attacked and if she had planned better maybe they could have had better preparation you have to kind of be like no those people's lives are important too like don't put it all on yourself Mm -hmm. um and then there are choices we make during the main companion mission which is the left hand of the divine but I guess to talk broadly about the stuff before we get into it, I was not crazy about the fact that this decision is kind of posed to the player like it's something that you get to choose at a very pivotal moment, but really there's some background stuff going on and you have to check certain boxes before you get there or else your decision doesn't really matter. And I'm not sure how y'all felt about it. Ty, how, how did you kind of feel about the way that the the hardening slash softening of Leliana was, was handled leading up into this companion mission? I think it's like, it is very funky because it, it is different than the other like companions since, you know, she doesn't have the approval system and stuff. And it's also been a long 
time since I've actually played it. Like, I read the wiki, but it's been a while since I actually, like, have gone mm-hmm. through it. But I remember, like, enjoying her arc in Inquisition. I, like, that is, like, has been the one standout thing for me. Um, especially with the, um, the In Hush Whispers mage quest, um, seeing, and I feel like seeing that version of her kind of explains, like, the reason why it's so much harder to soften her. Like, it Mm. may not work on a mechanical level as well as they maybe wanted it to, um, but I do like the fact that, like, it is harder to soften her just because of, like, all the shit that she's been through Mm. or, like, has the potential to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, I think something that's interesting specifically about that uh, that mage future uh, is that that future is supposed to kind of be what happens if the Inquisitor is not there to kind of intervene in various ways. And I think that really, like, it's, it's interesting to me that they put Liliana as the character that they kind of pluck into that story because she is the one that, between, like, between, like, Cullen or Josie, she is the one that the Inquisitor's, like, being there does have like a very tangible effect on whether mm-hmm. I think the sort of you know the nuts and bolts of that are kind of weird um but I think it is like it is like in the grand scheme of things that is a very strong foreshadowing that I don't think really gets the credit that it deserves because like you get there and like she's fed up with shit like she, she um she killed Alexis the son even though he was technically an innocent in that scenario just to spite him like that is very much the action of a hardened individual um I guess my feeling about the idea of hardening her or softening her, though, is that, like, I don't like the way that it, a lot of it is sort of tied to whether or not you empower her and her faith. Uh, as if, like, her faith and her willingness to be kind and, like, softer to people are, like, intertwined in a way that doesn't jive with me, even though, like, Maybe as we're getting further, like, into this game, that maybe seems to be more in line with the Dragon Age world at large. Like, they do a lot of tying compassion to faith in a way that is... Hmm. It's not it's not great, and it's... Um, not that I have a lot of room to speak, because my... Like, he's not a hardened person, per se, but he is, all, he is also very, like, a, not particularly uh, caring about a lot of the shit that's going on in this game mainly out of, like, selfish reasons. But, um... Mm-hmm. It's... I guess something, like, I'm, I'm coming back around to is, like, does it not feel weird to anybody else that, like, this is a sort of, like, a legacy character across the series, and ultimately, like, whatever happened to her before is completely irrelevant? Like, that's that's where I come back to when I'm, like, it treats the, sort of, the choices that the player has made as almost, like, a burden, as if, like, it's something that it wants to, like, have this moment, like, the Divine dying to kind of justify erasing i guess what, what you're specifically talking about is like the the temple of sacred ashes where mm-hmm. leliana can die in origins and how that kind of gets rid out both um, that but like also like she there are like opportunities to soften her in origins it's like almost mm-hmm. um, the, well, now i'm thinking about like the, the garris comparison is kind of coming around in a few ways I guess, I guess for me i like the idea that like who Leliana maybe like who you left her as in Origins is not necessarily who she's gonna be yeah. like mm-hmm. over a decade later, um, and like again, this is I think me being generous 
in a lot of ways because like mechanically I don't think it functions that well but like I, I, I like the idea of Liliana continuing to change and like you know continuing to be in a line of work where she sees a lot of bad shit happening and is like you know because like her whole thing is like she's not a she she didn't start out like as a good person or like a moral or like you know like she she started out as kind of a shithead and like I think her compassion being tied to her faith for her specifically as a character I don't have an issue with because I feel like they've kind of always framed it as like the better part of Leliana does kind of come from her faith because on her own she's kind of a selfish dickhead but she Mm. kind of is able to be better when she is subscribing to her faith like I think we've seen that in the past enough to where it's kind of like yeah I get it for her specifically not to discount what you said about you know like the larger stuff going on there um but yeah like I like Liliana being different across time and stuff but I don't know if the actual mechanical implementation is like that great I think where it comes for me is that those are two kind of if, if we look at whether her staying the way that she was at the end of origins versus her being dead or not those are kind of two different levels of changing the character um and i'd actually i'd say that both kind of have their thematic justifications when you get there because i think liliana's death is kind of silly that they just kind of write that off ultimately they're like oh never mind she survived by the way like you shot her with arrows and stabbed her and lit her on fire with magic but she's good don't worry she <laughs> she walked out it's all right um that's a little bit sillier but also like what they have done with the character since at least i feel justifies in some way bringing her back that they didn't just kind of played off her kicks to do a one-off second character but they wanted to make this character like Mm. a large piece of dragon age moving forward and i think that's fine you know maybe there were other ways that felt more natural for them to go with that but i think especially if you look at it of the lens through were they planning for this to be a series versus were they just kind of writing as they went and as we learned in a book that has recently come out that dragon age up until inquisition kind of was just being written as it was going um that's that makes a little bit more sense to me but i actually really as ty was saying i like the idea that leliana is someone who changes off camera and i think especially for me um the first time around i played this game i softened her because i think i feel like that's the natural the more we play bioware games the more i think about the way that people engage with bioware games and i think there's always a desire to kind of checklist a lot of the things in this game so like say that there is a deeper companion quest or a way to like have a measurable effect on a character in some in some you know capacity people who play bioware games are going to seek out to do that in some way versus not having a measurable effect on it on a character i think having being able to change a character in some way or, or just be able to influence a character in ways is part of the appeal of a Bioware game specifically. Um, and with Liliana, I think that makes the softening uh, idea more appealing because you're kind of having to go out of your way and, and tick these boxes and do that stuff. So it feels more natural. Um, so the first time around I, I did that because that is kind of how I play these games. I'm like, cool, yeah, I want to do the thing that makes me do more work. This time around, uh, 
you know, I mentioned my frustrations earlier. I missed that one of those conversation prompts in Haven, uh, the one about the trader agent specifically. And that meant I didn't check that box. So when I got to the point that we're going to get to in this mission, uh, she was hardened. And that's irreversible. You don't really have a choice at that point. Mm. And I actually found that the dialogue with her when she was hardened was more enlightening because she talks about how... I guess we should probably start talking about the mission at this point. But (laughs) she talks about her past with Justinia and kind of just her life and the way that she's been throughout her life and especially the idea of her being used throughout her life by various people for their own means. Um, That put a different spin on this that I was like, this became more of a story for me of her just self self-actualizing i don't know but just like becoming a person that is going to finally they do a thing and they do it well they're going to start doing it for themselves now they're not going to do it for other people Mm -hmm. and um so this this mission specifically the the left hand of the divine as as it implies is about liliana it's about her relationship with the deceased divine justinia uh a letter written uh, and posthumously delivered to Leliana, uh, sends her to Valence, which is this little uh, cloister that's on on the sea. And there's something hidden there that Leliana believes was left behind uh, by Justinia for her. Leliana definitely, like from the outset, seems to have this impression. I think that it's going to be this this big secret. This oh, this, maybe it's a hidden weapon or it's some secret revelation or it's something fascinating. Like, she definitely is like, if Justinia hid this here, it was important and it was secret and it's, it's going to be cool. Come find out what the secret weapon is with me and all that. Um, and we get there and it's it's this tiny little area that we have to specifically fast travel to, which um, I like. I like when we have moments like this because it's nice to have these tiny little quests that are very focused. Um, and we meet... Sister Natalie, uh, no relation to the Natalie who has appeared on this podcast <laughs> multiple times. Uh, um, and the the first interesting part that that I found was the second that Natalie goes in and greets Leliana. Leliana gives you kind of the over the shoulder like something's up. <laughs> like, this is this ain't right. She's not supposed to be here both eyes peeled um and as you go around following the clues and the riddles that are on the letter uh leliana is kind of grilling natalie about various things and so ken i i'm interested in your take on this because one thing i will say is that this mission kind of disappointed me in the way that it just kind of lets you follow the pings to each Mm. clue and i was really hoping that this was going to be like you have to read the thing and look because you know there are a bunch of even if you know you could still just kind of move your mouse all over the screen and find the mechanisms if you wanted to but i thought that having the little compass pings to just lead you to where everything is was kind of not as much fun as this could have been yeah i mean Um, it just seems seems like one of those things where like the systems the game doesn't have in play like like the way you play and interact with the world in that game doesn't accommodate for a lot of stuff that kind of goes beyond the common action of how that game mm-hmm. usually operates. Yeah. Because um, honestly, like, more... So- 
generally most Bioware games don't have that sort of like really drastic break from the way that we play these games for the most part. Um, I'm actually having trouble thinking of anything that would have been like that. I mean, like kind of a mystery thing that we have to solve. Yeah, because I mean, like Leviathan was something like that in Mass Effect 3, but it still was very much rooted in the yeah. kind of way that you engage with the world in that game normally. So, I, mm. The thing that, that came to mind for me, actually, and, and this was also so like we have this stuff where Liliana is walking around and grilling Natalie and kind of asking her different questions that are you can kind of tell early on are very probing are very like testing the waters to see why Natalie's here, what Natalie's doing. Um that was also something where I was going like, I kind of wish I was doing some of this. Like maybe I could be asking questions that might reveal something. Mm. And then I realized about halfway through playing this very, very short. I mean, it took me maybe like 20 minutes to play this mission at the most. It's a very, very small event basically. Um, Is that what I wanted was, Ken, we've both been playing Valhalla. Ty, have you been playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla at all? Absolutely fucking not. (laughs) Fair. Damn. Okay. <laughs> um, Ken and I just have found a kindred comfort food in this game for whatever <laughs> reason. Um, the very early, it's like I th- probably the first set of missions that you can do once you get to England, where you have the the Jarl Soma that you're you're helping retake a town, and then you have this whole set of missions where you're helping out her various underlings, but also you know one you know one of them is a traitor, mm-hmm. and so you're having to talk to townspeople and search around the area and find clues that will ostensibly lead you to know who it is that betrayed Soma the night that the town got taken over, and playing that having played that recently and playing this mission now i think that's kind of what i wanted just something where i had a little bit more personal agency over what was going on because otherwise this mission felt like it was pretty much about how cool leliana is and granted leliana is very cool (laughs) (laughs) but i also it's weird i think the moments where they decided to put that control in your hands versus when they decide to take it away and i thought that was a a strange distinction to make mm-hmm. in terms of the player and like you said that might be due to just gameplay and mechanical distinctions maybe you know they just didn't want somebody running around hitting buttons on a wall until they figured out the right combination or looked it up in a wiki you know why mm-hmm. not just put the compass pings on there but i also think um, kind of generally the advisor quests don't feel like they ever get that same level of like production that even the companion quests do yeah because i feel like if you're gonna have something that's that like drastically different than the way the game is normally played you need something like not even it wasn't even a companion quest but like wicked eyes wicked hearts that was something that was very distinctly mm, yeah. made to like crafted in a way to be distinctly different and i just don't think the advisor quest specifically got that much attention i'd like i'd like to see it though i want to see yeah. more of that we, we we've been over this many times we like it when bioware experiments mm-hmm. but uh once we've figured out you know we followed the compass pings or you know optionally you know tried to suss out the clues and all that we find a secret door and Leliana suddenly turns on Natalie is like I gotcha you had like she goes kind of full BBC Sherlock like there were burrs on your hem and you talked about the breach from the south side of the the thing and there's no cloister like there's no service on Friday here and you gave yourself away and I was like, damn, that was all really cool, Eliana. Why was you were having me run around like look at paintings and stuff while you were being a detective? Like, damn. But um 
you know, we find out that Natalie is working for another uh, sister of the Chantry um, who is kind of higher up and also uh, Vic- I remember her name is Victoire but I don't remember what her role is in the Chantry it's like Magister or something like that some very high fantasy sounding thing but they they played off as this kind of like oh the Inquisition has many enemies that you don't even know about and stuff like that and then we get this choice where we can either back Liliana up and say like yeah kill Natalie she's uh, she's a spy she's following us we can't let her get back and give away info or you should let her go like don't ratchet up the body count um, so Ken I'm assuming we both made the same choice and we said let her go try to so we both had the same ending then. No. <laughs> um, where you you tell her let her go and she's like nah and and cuts her throat um, yeah. and I this is I, I'm still wrestling with whether I like the ensuing stuff and maybe Ty can help us sort these feelings out uh, <laughs> but it's really strange how all of a sudden you can be like hey look Leliana that's kind of messed up and she kind of turns on you and is like really now is where you draw the line right. after everything we've done this is where you start to get weak need and she's like I'm just here to get done what needs to get done can't have you getting all second guessy about this right now <laughs> um and and it's it's juxtaposed by you know no matter what happens when you open this box uh all that's inside it's an empty box with the inscription on the inside that says the left hand i think it's the left hand is free now or something essentially should lay down her um, burden the left the left hand of the divine should lay down her burden um you know kind of a message to Liliana saying like you're free you get to go free like you're not part of this anymore uh and also depending on like whether Liliana's softened her heart at this point she kind of takes it in different ways so um Ty like where do you find yourself falling in preference of of how you like Liliana like do you do you usually go for the hardened or softened route and how did you feel about this scene in particular and and how this wraps up here well so I think if I think narratively I prefer the hardened version mm-hmm. but in my heart I prefer the softened version because I just I want her life to be better um <laughs> but yeah I think I think narratively I do like hardened Liliana just because like Especially, like, at least for me personally, like, my Leliana romanced a, a warden who died. So, mm. like, oh. I like the continuation of, like, a warden who died and, you know, Leliana continuing on this path of, like, trying to, you know, be better than what she was by embracing this problematic faith and again i think i'm probably more generous to it than like what's actually in the text but i think there are interesting ideas with her and i like them Hmm. ken where did you end up on this how are you feeling about the way that that story kind of wraps up i mean at least in in the kind of isolated uh quest here like part of me is just like okay what the fuck ever like i again like i I play a character that does not get is not 
that invested in some of this shit. So, like, I was more of the long lines of, like, there's no sense in killing her, especially if this is an enemy of ours that can... There, you know, there are more questions that have been raised since we came into this room. Uh, and so, like, more I'm just annoyed by the fact that she, like, kind of, like, went against a direct order of the person who was supposed to be in charge. And it's like, what? You put, ultimately, I'm just like, whatever. Like, I don't... I, I'm, just, I'm trying to, you know, get past this, get past Corypheus, and then just kind of, like, get on with my life. It's kind of where my character was at at this point. Mm. What bothers me more is where it kind of goes next, because, like, Liliana has become, like... The... She takes it up to eleven once we get yeah. into the skyhold. Yeah, let's like I guess let's get into that because yeah. Yeah, I mean she well we we have kind of one last part of this quest which is we go back to skyhold, we check in on Liliana just to kind of see you know like hey you know kind of killed one of your friends back there, um, you know how you feeling, and she's immediately like oh that lady Victoire she's gonna have it coming to her she's got a young cousin that she dotes on right let's kidnap him and like i'm I'm sitting there and i'm like oh so we went from like scooby-doo crime to like we're kidnapping children crime (laughs) like that's um this is a bit of an escalation here uh but also yeah the 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 conversation you have with her afterwards where i you can still kind of play this like you kind of want her to be more compassionate and be like hey this doesn't seem like you this doesn't seem like what you need to do and she basically turns it on you is like look we are living in times where the ends justify the means and i'm here to get a job done and i'm gonna get that job done and you need to be okay with the way that i get it done because that's how this is happening and part of me was definitely like oh what monster have i created Mm. but i think the thing that ultimately turns on me is i mean it's like probably the biggest friction of this character in this game is like you were like we both had happen you can make some choices but if you don't go down a very specific path leliana is mm. going to stick to her ways and that yep. makes her feel like more of a character of her own agency and volition against purely just whatever mold you try and mm. put her in and it <laughs> It feels bad in the context of what I was talking about earlier of like playing a Bioware game and wanting to shape these characters and influence their the directions that their lives take. But at the same time, it's that friction where you're like, oh, that's actually mm. interesting. That's making me right. question how I approach this and how I think about this. And I think what what fr- is frustrating to me is that like because it is like so specific, there's almost like a it almost feels like a gotcha almost like oh yeah. you didn't you didn't mm-hmm. do exactly what we wanted you to do like in every instance that you could have done it. So like. Liliana is going to go from either, like, a compassionate person or a fucking, you know, a serial killer spy master that you can't, that you cannot write in. And, I don't know, like, I, I wish I, I it, it, there needs to be a more of a gray in there somewhere, because, like, even, like, looking at, like, the things you have to do to soften Liliana, like, it's hard for me to buy that, like, you can do three out of four things right, and then, but you do one of them off mm-hmm. or different, then, like, that's the thing that fucking tips her over the edge. I don't... Like like we've been saying since this episode, I don't think mechanically they nailed what they were going for. And, it, like... Part of me, like... like I keep I keep circling around to the Garrus thing, because Garrus, I think, has, like, a very similar issue to what I have with Liliana, is that, like, one, he has the reset, and two, and has the exact same story again in that game. And then by the time you get to three, none of it mattered. Like, he does, he's the same person in Mass Effect 3, regardless of what you've ever done. And so, like, I don't... 
like I feel like for all of like the, the Bioware keeps like retreading this idea that like you can influence the type of people that all these people are going to be. They never commit to it. They never like again. They, they like I've been saying like they treat the fact that they even gave that that sort of option to you as like the thing that is weighing them down and the way that they want to write these stories. And it's don't like if you're gonna constantly be undoing what the, like the players influence. Like why bother? Like why? Why keep bringing these characters back if you're going to just reset them every time? See, yeah. I guess I don't think of Liliana as, like, ever being, like, reset, I guess. Because, like, I don't know. At least to me, like, her narrative thread kind of felt right. pretty consistent. Yeah, and, like, I, it's one of those... Because, like, like, your whole sort of arc that you kind of, I guess quote-unquote wrote for her across your games like that's where it lines up for me but like mm-hmm. i just i don't feel like they do a good enough job of like really accommodating for everything like every well and i it, think the thing too i think this also ties into like my biggest issue with inquisition as a game is like i'm pulling from also the fact that like i've read all the books and like the relationship between Leliana and the divine is talked about in the books and like mm-hmm. fucking I played, you know, like, the online, like, card game that they had, like, Dragon Age Keep or whatever. Like, I played that shit, and that had a bunch of, like, stuff about the fucking religion court and shit. You know what I mean? It's like, Mm. and even, like, some of the side missions, like, I was gonna say, like, I know, like, for you and for Eric both, like, it felt like kind of a big jump of like Leliana being willing to do fucked up stuff but like it even some of the like table missions like if you choose Leliana like mm. the results are kind of fucked up because yeah. like she she just does have that in her she just truly like as a person throughout the whole series just does have violence in her mm. and it's like part of you know her arc and part of like her thing with Justinia is the like ramifications of like being used and like you know being a weapon basically um but like so much of that is not you know directly on screen so like and you shouldn't have to have consumed all of the that shit to like have that understanding and i think something that really sticks out to me like the way that mass effect handled this differently is that like they didn't bring in, like, Shepard's crew into a lot of the external shit. Like, like the books were about Anderson, or, like, the movie was about... Well, I mean, that was about James, but that was about something that he told you about after the fact. Like, that he... It was about things that were not going to necessarily be in... Like, there wasn't going to be a friction there between the, what you did in the games. Where Dragon Age just kind of, like... Again, like, it just doesn't... It has never treated the player's existence in this universe as anything that it, like, really wants to reckon with. It just, like treats it as a thing that it can constantly undo and, like, make up some reason that they should be able to do that. And so, when you, like, you, you know, you can have a character like Liliana that is, or I think Wens in some of the books as well, Cole, like, all these other characters mm-hmm. that show up in the games in ways that go beyond what the player is ever going to experience. Or even, like, or, or things that can't be kind of, like, summed up in a, like, an investigate option, like, stuff within Mass Effect. I think they just, like, I, why does, like, I don't understand why Dragon Age has to be this way where it constantly feels like it doesn't want to be played and doesn't want to be influenced by char- by by players who have choices that they can make in all these games. And it's constantly just like looking for ways out and looking for ways to kind of 
rewrite or justify the things that they want to do, even if it doesn't match up with the options that the players have been given. I mean, so you say it, like, constantly does this, but I... I feel like up until Inquisition, the the lore and the mythos of what Dragon Age is is so spread out and so distant from each other because there are only mm. two games preceding it. And Origins and Awakening are kind of their own pockets of story that are really only linked if you have your warden carry across from one into the other. Um, and then, you know, kind of characters do stretch across, but really like Leliana just kind of makes cameo appearances in in the games between Origins and, and Inquisition uh and I I, I, mean, I like I, 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 under- I, don't, I understand the frustration I think it's but I don't, I don't think that... I don't think they are like I don't think Dragon Age is as spread out as it likes to believe it is because like all the books well, like like things like the, I don't remember I don't remember which ones they are but like the entire Wicked Eyes, Wicked Heart stuff is brought up in the books first. Like, that entire thing is, like, yeah. preceded by a novel. The, the, thing, the thing about it is, to me, I feel like, like, Origins, Awakening 2, I feel like, are fairly, like, they're connected enough. You know, like, you can import your Warden into both Awakening and into 2. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, like, they did try to, like, preserve your choices in those ways. And then I think in two as well, they had it where like if you didn't have a warden, you could still pick like a couple different like backgrounds. Mm. So there wasn't necessarily yeah. like a generic that you had to do. You still had like some choices. But then with Inquisition, because of the weird like generation jump, they couldn't do the import again so then they had you make like they had like the online keep thing that you could like make the choices in but yeah it just it really fell apart when they did that jump um, and even yeah well like the i just want to say the, the point I, I was going for with by like pointing out how dis- disparate all those things are is that compared to mass effect which is like the most obvious thing to compare it to like mass effect took place on one generation of consoles had never had to deal with jumping generations like ty just brought up and it told the story of one character from one perspective the whole time and within a pretty contained amount of time too um whereas you jump over to dragon age and it's it's not just being told over console generations it's being told over in-game generations like there are a lot of years that pass between these games especially between the kind of contained dragon age origins awakening 2 and then with inquisition there's like time that has passed there and i think when you're dealing with a story that that is that much larger and you're also telling it from so many different points you do at some point have to try and condense back down and say i mean i i see inquisition as like you'll hear some some publishers and developers and stuff who make really long-running games uh, with a lot of characters that have to keep evolving like they'll have it bible essentially that is just this is what our universe is these are the basic tenets of our universe and to me i don't i don't know this is my speculation it just feels like inquisition was them saying we need to write the bible of dragon age if we're going to keep moving forward with this series yeah uh, I mean... and that's what it feels like and in some cases that does mean like going hey if Leliana is going to be a major character moving forward that we want to have play major starring roles we need to have a way to deal with what happened in origins so well i mean 
that's that's all well and fair, but like they're still like even in even like posting with even as recently as like last year, they're like writing comics about characters that can be dead and like you know not like and they're not doing like the sort of um acknowledgement like oh this is what happened if like this this you know piece of media is specifically what happened if these parameters were met they are just like like no this is the dragon age world as it exists like Fenris had a com- had a comic series and Fenris can be dead and so like I, I would like to believe what you're like i kind of like if you if you need to break something so you can fix it and like and you know, put it in the, its proper place. I feel like Inquisition was the place to do that, but they're already, like, as in the six years that have passed since, they are already still doing shit like that, where they're constantly uh, contradicting world states that they have given players the ability to create. When mm-hmm. that, when it could be about anybody else. It could, like, even... I mean, there are ways, I guess, I could, like, be like, oh, they could have done this with Liliana instead, like, maybe just had a different character in her place, but that's not really... And that's, like, if I wanted to, like, go nitpick every single instance of Dragon Age doing this and being like, oh, this is what they could have done differently, that would be, would be here all night. But, ultimately, like, especially when, like, that's something that, like, I'm really thinking about as we get closer to the Dragon Age 4, whenever that is, that there's been so much distance between Inquisition and whenever this game is coming out that I feel like that's going to be an opportunity for them to, like, try and hand-wave shit. Like, be like, oh, it's so long. It's been so long since that happened. Who's going to remember? Like, I'm going to fucking remember. Like, the extremely, like, nitpicky, anal Dragon Age fans are going to remember. Although, Dragon Age fandom has let Bioware get away with some really head-ass shit, so what do I know? Hmm. I guess to to wrap up the kind of Liliana, we can leave her in a lot of different states at the end of of Trespasser, and now is when we're going to talk about Trespasser stuff. So obviously, we've done with the last few companions who have this stuff. If you are trying to hold off on Trespasser until we get to playing it, just jump ahead, you know, let's say like 5, 10, maybe 15 minutes, depending on how we talk about this one. But um, with... Leliana specifically there's a lot of different paths like surprisingly different branching stuff that can happen based on both whether she becomes the warden and whether she becomes uh hardened or softened which for some reason in the trespasser thing is called inspired or steeled which i actually like a little bit more good job bioware that's a better name than hardened or softened <laughs> um much better name <laughs> Uh, and also whether she romanced the warden and obviously there's even a thing about if she died in origins which i had not seen before and i was going Mm -hmm. to question y'all the more experienced leliana folks about because i read that and i was like oh that's interesting and that brought up ideas of how maybe they might handle that specific point of friction in the future but um if leliana is made the divine uh she becomes very devoted to being divine reshaping the chantry um becomes very it's really weird so she removes restrictions around priesthood like letting all people in and and bringing them in and ordaining them but also she returns to an old canticle which reminded me a little bit like this this bit in trespasser reminds me of like the schism of the christian church around like uh catholicism and um the the breakoffs there with like protestants and stuff like that um which actually starts a little bit of a rebellion <laughs> and depending on whether she is inspired or steeled which is softened and hardened respect 
respectively. Uh, either Divine Victoria, as she is known, will kind of hold her ground and be resolute, even though the rebellion rages on, or she snuffs that thing out real fast, <laughs> like just brings that rebellion to its knees. And there's a really funny bit about like. Uh, though though it was mostly agreed that it was due to infighting, there were some whispers that it might have been engineered in some way and stuff like that. Um, By her. Yeah, which, I again, that's the moment where, even though I'm not wild about child kidnapping Leliana in that part of Dragon Age specifically, this specific bit of Leliana becoming a divine that also orchestrates the fall of rebellions against her I do really like. <laughs> yeah, I just I like that. And to again, like Liliana has done worse things than kidnap a child. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. like, it's still That's an improvement. It's <laughs> <laughs> a common Tuesday is just some you know casual child kidnapping. I mean, um, all of Origins is her murdering people. I I don't want to play tier lists with crimes here, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I I do think that kidnapping a child is at least somewhat upsetting in a in a black male purpose <laughs> i mean I'm murder just saying, also she's a mass murderer already so like really, we're, we're decreasing the for, violence at least <laughs> i'm excited for our next norm dfm pax panel which is just the tier list of crimes <laughs> <laughs> tier list of dragon age 4 crimes <laughs> yeah we gotta pull up that villains wiki we found the other week and just read through everyone's war crimes and stuff We've, for the listeners at home and ty uh we found this incredible wiki the villains wiki that lists every bad guy in fiction imaginable and also the crimes that they committed um i highly recommend checking that out because you might think a character like Pete from the Mickey Mouse cartoons has not done some shit. And yep, that yeah, that man is a criminal. Shit. I've played Kingdom Hearts. Like that dude had attempted genocide on his resume. Like, um, do you have a link to that? Oh, I absolutely do. I'll hit you up with that after the podcast. Okay. Um, Wait, can you hit me with it now? Because I actually have a podcast-related uh, inquiry that I need to look at real quick. Excellent. Okay. Just to vindicate myself, since wiki. this is my, you know. Course called Peg Leg Pete. I'm the fun, that. the fun thing to do is get a group of people together and then list off the crimes <laughs> and get everyone to guess who you're talking about. I really got y'all with Mr. Krabs. <laughs> um, Mr. Krabs is a criminal. Oh, he does a lot of crime, a lot of crime that you did not think he did, but then you realized and you're like, oh wait, oh he does do crimes. Um, oh, God anyways, damn it, that's... this fucking Red Bull ad. I keep trying to click the search bar, and I keep clicking this <laughs> fucking Red Bull ad. While Ty looks for the thing that they're trying to find, uh, if you do not make Leliana a divine, uh, mostly Leliana just kind of trains up some successors and is like, you know, I'm going to you know, just try and prepare and be ready for what's coming, you know. It's highly believed that her training up successors like Harding uh, implies that she is worried about the days to come. And uh, depending on whether they romance, whether Liliana romanced the warden or not, uh, they can kind of have these like nice little endings for that. I like that they included those. I thought that was a nice touch. Uh, but one thing I wanted to bring up. So if Liliana is not the divine, 
and she died in Origins. A very specific ending prompt comes up that I'm going to read aloud here uh, from the Dragon Age wiki because I was unsure as to what the context or implications here are. Uh, eventually, Leliana became distant and con- I can never pronounce this word. Contemplative? Contemplative? Uh, I don't know. The first one. Often secluding herself in the rookery with none but her ravens for company. One morning, the residents of Skyhold awoke to a great beating of wings and a vast cloud of ravens blotting out the sky above the fortress. Those who investigated found both the rookery and Leliana's chambers vacant, with only a single message as explanation. The lyrium sang thought into being, now time is stale and the melody is called elsewhere, until I am needed, I am free. So, the implication I get from this is that Leliana died in Origins, but for some reason was brought back through some magical fuckery. Uh, that was kind of the gist I got from it, but I don't know if that's what we're supposed to glean from it, so I wanted to pose this question to y'all. I guess Uh, Ken. (laughs) So the implication there is that she was a Lyrium ghost? Basically, like, Lyrium brought her, like, literally says, like, saying her thought into being, as in, like, Mm -hmm. her... I, I... Like, her spirit, I guess, like, was so strong in the moment that she died that it's she survived in one way and have like we encountered mm-hmm. lyrium ghosts up to this point just real quick i don't um, i'm trying to remember if we really i don't distinctly remember one that's but it is a thing in in the general lore yes like at least of, like, 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 like like talking force ghosts or a situation well see i googled i feel like I lyrium is just lyrium kind of Liliana. this series is like force like oh it's magic where they're yeah. just like oh lyrium does weird shit yeah, it's like it's a total fucking made up thing that they decided to finally like try and justify, and that's like in the grand scheme of things, I don't think the explanation is like that bothersome to me. Like, I think like the idea that Liliana, like you know, like we 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 know her; she is like a very passionate person. That like her spirit could like resonate with something and kind of like create this new form. In a, in a magical world where anything is, everything's made up and they can, you know, do what they want to. But it, it, it's just like, it's fucking so late. Like, feels so, like, hand-wavy and I don't, I don't care about it. Like, I do think, like, the general, like, sad... Like, as a person who, like, loves sad shit, like, I kind of like the story that tells. Especially because, mm-hmm. like... I don't like it kind of implies that like she still feels the fact that she died and like she I don't like there's like a weird like tragedy to it that I find interesting even if it's like completely disingenuous and I don't like eh, I just like I don't I I much prefer Leliana just like continuing to like be a character that is like a person who grows and like changes over time as opposed to like them pulling like a fucking sixth sense no. like i just am not a fan of that at all um i think the possible the storytelling possibilities are interesting though because like imagine if they did carry that forward and there's something that can happen in four that would be affected by whether or not liliana is a lyrium ghost or not who, you know who's kind of a lyrium ghost actually Cole is kind of a lyrium ghost to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's 
similar. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I don't know if it's, like, quite, like, on a technical term, like, lyrium operated, but coal is some kind of right. spooky ghost for, spirit boy. For all boy. intents and purposes, Demon man thing. <laughs> Just, like, a continuation of somebody's spirit, even if they were gone. Yeah. Well, was it... Actually, never mind, I'm not going to say that, because that was not in the game, I don't think. I think that was in the book. No, I mean, books are fair game here. I think I think the conclusion that it comes to with Cole in the book, I think, is that he was a spirit slash demon, like one of the ones that are like, you know, kind of in the middle between the two that mm-hmm. like, like bore witness to a young mage dying in the prisons underneath the like mm-hmm. chantry oh, in yeah. Val Royale and like basically took on that personality and like manifested physically. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. I think we went over that a little bit when we had um, Kian on for our our talk about that, but it's it's all really like fascinating stuff, and again, could just be more threads that they just do nothing with, or just kind of get hand wavy with. But that also just as maybe as a writer, I see that and I'm like, oh, that's a possibility for a really cool story moment that you could throw in. That would be so so specific to one specific branch of world state that is being imported into dragon age four or whatever but could be really cool if all of a sudden like you have a situation where something normally happens but if leliana's illyrium ghost something different happens and it like acknowledges the fact that the warden killed her and and all that oh that'd be cool i just like that idea don't get about the one that has to write it. <laughs> yeah, I would not hold your breath on that one. I would not want to be the one that has to write that, though. <laughs> also, uh, so I looked it up, and on the villains wiki, the mother is here, but she has no <laughs> crimes listed. So, so she's I'm pure and innocent. The the mother is clean, is what you were every, saying. Yeah, every time people are like, "Oh, Ty, you can't judge me. You like the mother. The mother has never done anything wrong." has actually never done a crime i feel like the absence of crimes is more suspicious than the presence of crimes though she's never done a crime like she's never been late on her taxes she's never jaywalked like come on there's how would she jaywalk she doesn't have legs eric exactly had multiple no she has tentacles oh she can she can roll i don't know i don't think she's very mobile no she is in one spot the entire game yeah, I think she is very much a vibe in one place kind of lady. She could commit tax fraud. I don't, Eric. With what income? <laughs> Does she have currency? Do darkspawn have currency? That's the real question. We exactly. Ask. That's the the, the darkspawn aren't paying the the like land taxes on the space that they are occupying. That's tax evasion. Okay, but Eric, first of all, one, does it count because they're underground? Who owns the underground? Question two, are the Darkspawn citizens? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, were they citizens before they became Darkspawn? Well, but Darkspawn are are born. But but not the mothers. mothers. The the mothers are. The mothers aren't, but I mean, the, 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 the Darkspawn in general. All right, we're going to at Bioware and ask them. <laughs> at Bioware, are the Darkspawn citizens, taxes? do they have to pay taxes? <laughs> it's very crucial you answer this. Um, 
No, there's gotta be. I'm gonna find a crime. I'm gonna go back and play through an expansion I did not like just to just to find crimes. That, that Awakening is perfect. Committed. How dare you? <laughs> I was just playing I, it again the other day, and it's still why? great. Because it's good, Kenjamin. What, what what compels you this many years removed to go back? Because I like it. It's good. Mm. I like the story. Speaking of things that are going to cause strife between people on this podcast, <laughs> um, I think that about does it for Liliana. I, f- I feel like we we said our 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 bit already. It's, is there anything else anyone wanted to add just about Liliana in general? Cool, spooky, potentially neat. Rogue. I like I like her. Liliana, cool. Problematic Wish. bisexual icon. <laughs> um, the the other kind of big piece that came out in i'd say the last week or so has it was it within the last weekend this, oh, yeah. this last week has been eternal yeah, so it's um, been since the last episode okay um god that feels like forever ago uh the book i i guess we'll call it like the 25th anniversary book of bioware came out and uh there were obviously articles about this online that you can go up and, and look and find these images for yourself. Uh, the, the first thing of note is that this book is is kind of a biography uh, written about the 25 years of Bioware and the development of many of their games, many of which never saw the light of day. Uh, there are some really cool insights in there. Uh, I highly recommend checking it out just for that. If, you've, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already are interested by that stuff, but... Uh, like the Dragon Age 2 section I found really interesting they talk about plans for the Exalted March DLC and things like that they talk about the cancelled plans for agents uh, which mm. there were articles about a while ago but they go much more in depth on that in a way that I was actually pleasantly surprised by you know it's a it's a book that is by a company about a company so there is definitely I feel some desire in certain sections to downplay certain mm. aspects of things that happen <laughs> ken and i were talking before the podcast started about the mass effect 3 section specifically where i felt like they maybe kind of softened some of how the ending stuff went down where it was much more vitriolic online and to be fair like that's within the echo chamber of gaming mm, I also was like, and stuff like that so i mean who wants to you know who wants to relitigate that? Well, also, who like wants to say in a, you know a book that you want people to buy like, oh, these fucking fucking shitheads online <laughs> sent death threats to our team and thought that that yeah. was a reasonable thing to do, and still yeah. think it is reasonable eight years later. So, um, at at some point, you just kind of say like, yeah, there was some controversy. You know, we did some things that we thought would, you know, lighten the whatever. And I I mean, the we talked about this in blow. Mass Effect Three. Yeah, and we talked about this in Mass Effect 3 where we were like, you know, the they came around. I thought the director's cut was a much better version of that ending, personally, um, that kind of squashed a lot of the qualms I had with it. And also, they closed it out with Citadel, which I feel was like a good way to just kind of say like, hey, this is, this is the goodbye y'all probably wanted because I still think a lot of the anger is just around the fact that Shepard can die in most endings. Oh no, video game wanted, made me sad. They wanted their rosy, happy <laughs> ending, and so here's Citadel to give you that. 
Uh, to be clear, I really do like Citadel. It's not me dissing on Citadel, but um, the, the other thing that is really interesting is that they had some more concept art than what we've seen already of the next Mass Effect game. They also had some stuff for Dragon Age 4, uh, which mm -hmm. they they confirmed what the code name, the project name of it was. It was like Morrison, I mm -hmm. think, was... Yeah. Um, but they basically to, like, confirmed... Yeah. I was just going to say they confirmed that it's into Venter. Yeah. Um, Continuity, what concept? <laughs> uh, but the images they showed of Andromeda... I almost called it Andromeda 2 because it looks like Andromeda 2. It does uh, look like it's going to be in, in, in Andromeda for what it's worth. God yeah. bless! Like, obviously, I, I had my take about this. Ken had uh, something similar around the time uh, where we both kind of talked about what the series could do moving forward. And the, the shots of the swamp... And I think especially there's one where there are very large constructs that look like remnant constructs mm -hmm. and or at least like a remnant inspired. And then what looks like building a mass relay. Now, here's the thing that looks like they're either building or repairing a mass relay. Well, I mean, it's and distinctly so... not a mass relay because it's clear. It's got like the architecture of human mass fiction, not rebirth. So like they aren't right. But it's got like MR7 on the side is what it says, I think. And so, like, and it's got the same circle spinny thing that all the mass relays do. So I saw that and I was like, that looks like either someone is building a mass relay or they're trying to piece a mass relay back together using parts from ships and stuff like that. I would. Uh, which is why it mm. looks distinctly less Reaper-ish. So, like, I guess if that, whatever that the case is, that probably... Because like if it's they're if they are rebuilding a mass relay that implies the Milky Way if they are making something that is equivalent right. that seems like more of an Andromeda thing because like in the grand scheme of things you spent you don't go through a whole lot of the Andromeda galaxy in Andromeda because that right. is like you're you're in, in like a very specific cluster um so if they were trying to make something to like emulate it and like they wanted that to be a plot point like going further into that galaxy that still lines up I think. Oh, I just got a really dumb idea that would make you furious if they did this. Mm. Do you want to hear it? Do you want no. me to cause this damage to you? <laughs> I feel like you're going to anyway. I uh, know. I'm giving you an option. You can check out right now if you want. You can well, tag out. And, all right, and I'll just tell you if, after the podcast. It's podcast but... <laughs> content. Let's go. Uh, I just thought, what if that's like they're building an expansion of a relay to make it even longer distance and they find a way to send like maybe one test ship from the milky way to the andromeda galaxy mm. and suddenly the plot becomes like that would be a way i think for them to tie in what happened with the ending of the mass effect trilogy without necessarily having to cope with the realities of it and you could have these characters that are from the milky way that have arrived and can inform that in some way and you know you could do the big shocker of like oh yeah, the Reapers are a thing because the people in Andromeda have very little idea of what that entails. Um, and, you know, they can kind of do the, the shock and awe bit of that, but also uh, kind of reflect your choices, but in a way that feels less committal. So I'm going to surprise you by saying that doesn't bother me because the thought, what would be interesting to me, and well, like, this is something I've kind of like thought they, would, they were going to end up doing somehow, is I 
think there is going to be a point where Li uh, Liara shows up in Andromeda because she is one alive still by that point, and two yeah, is a, yeah. like a constant, like a person that can't die unless you get a bad ending. So like I, yeah. I like like I've always had this image in my head of like Liara showing up in Andromeda and like Ryder just having it like sitting down having a talk with her, like it's sort like of a been, matriarch or something. Yeah, like because yeah. she would be she'd be like seven hundred to eight hundred years old by that point, and mm -hmm. so that is interesting to me. Um, I just. Ultimately, like, a sort of, like, tie-in to the Milky Way. Because, like, I mean, Andromeda literally has that tie-in. Like, the, the actual, like, set or setup of that game is deeply intertwined with the trilogy in a way that a lot of people don't see because they decided to make it a collectible. And then, so, like, if, like, if there's, like, you know, a sort of continuation in that way that does not canonize anything, I think it's fine. Um, well, so that's that's why like I initially was like, oh, maybe Ken wouldn't like this idea. But then I was like thinking it through more. I was like, oh, maybe you know, if it's not, if it's they're able to remove it enough to where you're not having to like see whether the actions of your stuff have taken place, but they can just kind of explain it in dialogue. That'd be a bit better than be handling yeah. it a bit easier. Like imagine in this hypothetical scenario, they are just telling you about like, oh, the Reapers fell and we lost the gift, but yeah, that, we did end up winning cool the war. Thing. Yeah. It'd be like uh, it'd be like the scene in Inquisition with Hawk, yeah, where you just kind of like talk through some stuff and you can ask him and get information like where all the companions are, if Shepard lived or not, and if Shepard was a romance with Liara, like what happened there. Like, there's a lot of cool things you could do there. I think that'd be interesting. Yeah, Ty, how do you feel about the prospect <laughs> of a return to Andromeda? I hated the first game, so I don't really give a shit. <laughs> could could anything that a new game could, could it do anything to bring you around, I guess? I don't know. I think I like Mass Effect, but I don't like it as... I'm not as invested in it as I am in Dragon Age. Like, even though I, at this point, like, have been pretty disappointed by what Dragon Age has done also, like, I still care about it a lot. Whereas, like, Mass Effect, like, I enjoyed it, but once Mass Effect was... Or, or like, once Andromeda was not for me, I was just kind of like, you know... I'm good. I'm fine. Mm. Mm. And like, Meanwhile, I I'm don't... over here. <laughs> I was just like, I'm... Over, I'm over here. Like, I don't know if I'm going to play the next fucking Dragon Age, but, you know, this, the rivalry continues. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's okay. Um, <laughs> it's just, and that's a, that's the other thing, too, is just like, I think just for me personally, like, there's not really stories in the Mass Effect universe that I personally am, like, very hungry for or that I feel like, you know, didn't get wrapped up well enough or whatever. Um, so, like, eh, I don't really care. Um, I mean, I might, who knows, maybe if and when it happens, maybe I'll yeah. get FOMO'd into it, but... <laughs> The year 2028. <laughs> yeah, but currently I'm not. I don't really give a shit. Something that I am wondering as I'm reading, like, I, I haven't, for context for anyone who hasn't seen the book, it's fucking huge. Like, there is so much here it's that I... It's really big. I will probably be chipping away at it for, like, weeks to months to come, maybe. Um, something that I'm carrying to me is, like, the, the section that's, like, the future of Mass Effect is about Dragon Age 4 and whatever the new Mass Effect is, and I haven't read the Anthem stuff, but I assume that they talk somewhat about their plans for the future. What's, like, occurring to me is, when is Bioware going... Like, I mean, I know Anthem was, like, a new thing, and that's whatever, but, like, does nobody else want, like, something new from Bioware? Like, I... 
because oh like a new ip because I'm, like, I'm realizing that as long as like mass effect and dragon age are like forced to continue we're probably not going to get much from them that's brand new for like a while and i was thinking about like what is like the natural cutoff point for one of those for one or both of those series to kind of go away because i think mass effect had that opportunity when they finished the trilogy but then they made andromeda and now they're in a whole other situation and the fact that dragon age doesn't seem to have an actual fucking plot and it's just like making shit up as they go along um makes me wonder when and if that series is ever gonna get a chance to fucking rest and buy where you to do something else I feel like Dragon Age could have ended after Trespasser. Like Really? Oh, I don't know about that. I, I feel like mm. I feel like for me I know there's all the, the Fenris stuff that gets brought up in um Trespasser, but I'm kind of okay with leaving that like open ended, honestly. Because, like, it feels to me at, like, the point when, like, the Inquisitor loses their arm and stuff and, like, you know, they kind of make the decision that, like, they're done. Like, to me, that is the end of, like, the events that Origin set into motion. So, like, I could be good with that being the end. Mm. And just knowing, like, yeah, more shit's gonna go on with, you know, Fenris or whatever, but, like... He's already such a, like, kind of hit-and-run character, just in, like, the way that he is and the way that he operates as, like, the Dread Wolf or whatever, that, like, you know, you could kind of leave that open-ended and, like, I personally would be fine with it. Um, but now, obviously, that's not going to be a thing either because they've already announced the fourth one. My... And I, I just... I've... That's the thing is, like, I don't really know what the fourth one's going to be about. Like, I guess... I, mean, I think it's gonna be about it's gonna be about Solus and the Dreadwolf and stuff like that. It's gonna be like oh, I kept years. I feel like I kept saying Fenris. I meant Solus. I was, I was gonna let you. Yeah, I figured like eventually I was like Ty's the gonna f- get it on this next one. Just fucking <laughs> they're both annoying elves. I uh, I feel like Dragon Age like on that note though, I, I feel like Dragon Age Four could be an ending like it like if they actually yeah. in a, in a world where Dragon Age followed through on like like made an actual fucking sequel to Trespasser. And I followed through on that story. Like, having just a story about the Inquisitor stopping Solus by whatever means necessary feels like a very natural place to stop if they don't do the fucking Dragon Age thing and, like, you know, make some fucking cliffhanger that doesn't actually mean anything. Except, you know, that didn't happen in Trespasser, but it very much happened in Origins. Like, that wish hunt ends in a way that, like, clearly meant nothing. Um, but, like, I feel like if they wrap that up, that, that is, like, the sole, like, real tangible plot line they haven't finished. So I feel like yeah. if Bioware has, like, you know, the guts to do it, mm. Dragon Age 4 can be the end, and I think they can... That can pretty much placate a majority of the fan base, I would think. I think... So the the other aspect of this is that... And I mean, we're probably going to explore this in 4, but it, it's how I could see them expanding it to a 5, is the tension between the North and the South at large. Because we've, you know, we've dealt with Ferelden, We've dealt with... Orlay, we've dealt with the um i always forget what region uh the the free marshes the free marshes where kirkwall is um which is in the northern area and then in this one we're going to deal with tevinter and quite possibly parvalen which is where the canary are uh but i feel like there's always been kind of a tension between tevinter and the south and some sort of 
you know, not not even necessarily it wouldn't be a civil war, it'd just be a war between Ferelden slash Orle and Tevinter to the north and then Parvalen, however that factors in. Like, I could see them going that route and creating a game around that conflict. And and I think the reason I say that is because at some point, if you're going to wrap the the universe as a whole, you need your like all-star game, which is, you know, what Mass Effect 3 was, where they basically said, okay, we're gonna bring in all the fan favorite characters to be your companions and also Vega. <laughs> and um and you know we're going to give these big goodbyes and and have these big moments with all these characters and resolve all these conflicts and i think if you're going to put a bow on dragon age at some point i don't know if the soulless story would leave enough breathing room for that to happen alongside it um because i think the soulless story is actually pretty big in terms of what it means for the world of Dragon Age at large, you know, dealing with the idea of what the gods are and what Andraste is and what the maker is and all that kind of stuff. I think there's a lot to deal with there. And, and I don't know if that would give either side enough room to breathe, but on, on, on the flip side, I don't know, maybe this is just me and I have like a sickness I'm not aware of, but I, I am still just hungry for stories in these universes. I don't feel like either one is completely played out yet. But I also feel like that's going to extremely hinge on the reception of Dragon Age 4 and Mass Effect, whatever it's called, Mass Effect Next. <laughs> because I think if either one bombs in either way, like then mm. there's going to be a very, I think, reasonable call to say, hey, we need to examine what's going on here and whether it's worth continuing mm. in these areas. And honestly, I think in that case, Mass Effect's in a little bit more trouble because at least with Dragon Age, like Dragon Age does have its expanded universe that could always just continue fleshing out and, you know, have books and comics and tabletop games and stuff like that. Whereas Mass Effect has stayed pretty solidly about its games and doesn't, I feel, and maybe this is my perspective, but I feel like it doesn't veer as much into the external media as Dragon Age does. Um, I would say it doesn't, and I also think that when it does the external media, it is tied pretty tangibly into some way into the games, more so than Dragon Age. We should we should really get around to doing that uh, talk over for the Mass Effect movie that we talked about forever <laughs> ago. <Yeah. laughs> that sounded like such a dumb, bad idea that we totally should have done. <laughs> um, yeah, it's I, like like I've I've written before, and I'll say it here. I've said it again. Like it's. I, I like the idea of them going back to Andromeda because I think like just leaving the first one as a one-off, even as somebody who was not, you know, high on that game, who did not think highly of that game, like having a return to that would still be interesting to me. And I think that would maybe let them start to rectify a lot of the things they did and maybe improve a little bit. I think there are things... I don't even necessarily think they need to ditch the open world structure entirely. They just need to tighten it up. They need to address a lot of the things that i think made that game just feel not like a mass effect game and you know some of that is the engine but <laughs> it's uh i want to see them tool with that a little bit more and find a way to make that work so but it is they've they've got to hit it big on the next one i think and i think that's shown by the fact that like my gambles on it and they're obviously like putting some resources into it and they're already hyping it up and stuff like I think that shows that they acknowledge that the next Mass Effect needs to be a good Mass Effect. Yeah. 
and yeah, they could also what, what could they uh, do I, I, they could just ditch anthem <laughs> uh i think that's gonna do it for a show today we had a lot of stuff to talk about we just, we went much longer than we normally do but we love to do that when we have great conversation here on norm dfm as always we are norm dfm a bioware retrospective podcast we are currently in dragon age inquisition and rapidly nearing the end of that season in a way that always like freaks me out every time i look at the <laughs> every time i look at the schedule i'm like oh we are three almost episodes at the end here. left yeah we have three episodes left in the inquisition season and then we'll be taking a bit of a break before we start jade empire in the new year uh dates to be determined uh ty sadly you are the last guest that we have on i do not have a guest to announce for the rest of dragon age inquisition but we we finished with the best here we yeah and end with the revelation that the mother has never committed a crime (laughs) the mother (laughs) is free of crime the mother is pure mother innocent and free of crime Uh, and i am not problematic I'm going to find a crime. I'm going to develop a coalition that will find the crimes of the mother. Listen, you gave me this wiki. This was your resource. This was my doing. I I steeled you. Um so uh as always we have our patreon patreon.com slash normdfm where you can go support us every week we love to shout out the folks who back us at a certain tier we have a new one today that i'm going to try and get through without laughing i'm just being honest (laughs) with you i saw the name and i'm going to try not to chuckle but if ken is any indication i'm going to laugh so um kevin kulikowski chris johns alice hawk colin just colin just zach mickle the wedge of destiny and our newcomer will bang okay <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you for contributing to the norm dfm patreon <laughs> i'm going to have to read that every week <laughs> if you want to make me read dumb things every week within reason we reserve certain rights to within reason not read some things out loud but uh if if you want to put a name up that i would have to read every week you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash normdfm and backing us there or times are tough we know what it is if you head over to twitter.com slash normdfm show you can still follow us there see of all all of our incredible posts as well as keep up with our podcasts as they go up on spotify and other podcast services ty where can the wonderful people find your work uh you can find my work mostly over on twitter i am at ty underscore gn8rs um and you can also check out my mostly games crit website uppercutcrit.com or dot gay if you're feeling fancy i didn't know you got that Ken, <laughs> we need to we need to get some urls that's our next goal we need an actual website for the show instead of oh. making the twitter the thing Shit. As soon as I saw the .gay URLs were live, I did immediately drop the $30 to get it for us. (laughs) It's necessary. And Uppercut is a great place. You should be reading it. If I mean, look, if you're listening to us and you're not reading it already, uh, we feel shame for you. We're disappointed in you. And you can make it up by going and reading more Uppercut. Uh, Ty, thank you so much for coming on. It was a wonderful time to have you on again to talk all things Dragon Age. I, I don't know, you're, are you a Jade Empire fan at all? Have we tried to, to uh, coax you into some Jade I, Empire? I have only played a wee tiny bit of Jade Empire. 
Um, that's the yeah. That's the, the the normal case around here. So. I know, right? Yeah, mm. unfortunately, uh, Dragon Age was my first and main uh, Bioware joint. Well, we might be in touch soon, anyways, about some future opportunities because Chain Empire is a short game, so we're gonna have to figure out what we do after that. <laughs> so, who knows? The world is our oyster, and we will continue to find out what's inside that oyster on the next episode of Normandy FM. Well, Eric, you didn't talk about what we're doing next week, so the people need to know. Well, we need to talk about what we're doing next week. Ken, we... I had this great conclusion. Now the people are hearing us bicker. I know. How my, I had a great conclusion. Just edit it. And I was no, going I to put it in. No, we're not <laughs> editing. That's not how we roll on here. But we are. I am going to say that uh, in celebration of us finishing another year of Dragon Age, I'm, or I mean, really a year of Dragon Age. It was just one full year of Dragon Age. Uh, it's probably about time we did another listener Q&A. We've noticed we've had a lot more people tuning in, listening every week. Uh, we've had new Patreons, like uh, we will bang, okay? <laughs> so if the folks out there want to uh, submit some questions for another q and I don't know, we've not specifically determined a time when we're going to do this, but... It'll be like after um, we finish Dragon Age up. Yeah, yeah. So sometime, sometime in December. Yeah, sometime within the holidays, you know, if you need something to listen to over the holidays. It's going to be some weird holidays, y'all. I know I, I myself will be spending Christmas all by my lonesome uh, because the world sucks. So uh, if you need something to keep you company during the holiday times, uh, we'll try and have something out for you by then to, to listen to. So if you have questions for us, and these questions are largely open, you know, they can be about Bioware. We're happily accepting all Bioware related questions. Uh, if you also just have kind of questions about Ken and I as people, uh, our careers as journalists in the industry, if you have questions about our upbringings uh we had plenty of questions last time about what was like growing up in southern states uh we do have great food takes that you should definitely hear especially ken (laughs) please ask ken about food because i love hearing ken's food takes and dissecting them so um anything you want to put forward you know bring them forward uh I believe just through the normandy fm at Mm gmail.com will probably be the best way and by the time uh, it's up, I'll have tweeted about it again on the account, and you can just respond to them there. So. Absolutely. Uh, there are plenty of ways to send questions at us, uh, so feel free to do that. We'll do another listener Q&A. And that is when we'll see you next time. God, he did it again. On... He didn't even say it. He, did, he fucking didn't do it. What? I, I, I mean, I'm glad that you remembered that, but you also didn't talk about what we're doing next week. Well, like, next we do week, every we're week? We're talking about what pride is wrought. There you go. <laughs> Was that so hard? Yeah. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> and we're also talking about the character-specific missions from Cullen and Leliana that involve the char- like the kind of toadies of Corypheus uh, from the respective side quests that we're going to resolve as well. I'm looking forward to talking about those next week on Normandy FX. <laughs> We have watched and waited.